at strategies and how to reach the lost. But, you know, sometimes all we need is just the power of the Holy Spirit. It can do a lot. I mean, 3,000 people, out, I mean, glory, that's awesome. Lord, let it rest upon me today. So anyways, the backstory is Jesus says, man, I'm excited about this. Thank you. Somebody gets it. And as the story goes on, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus says this, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Where whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. That's a pretty good word. Come on, I could use that word today. <laughs> but... What does Jesus commit himself to in this little passage of Scripture? What does Jesus point out and he says, what, is, what does he say I will commit myself to? He commits himself to what? The building of his church. Not only does he commit himself to the building of his church, people, but he says, listen, I will make sure, I will see to it personally that the powers of hell will not prevail against her nor overcome her or conquer her. I mean, that's a glorious, that's a glorious promise. Jesus promises, he commits himself to building. And we know we're not talking about a physical building. We're not, we're talking about people. Whenever Jesus talked about his church, it had to do with people. This little building is a nice place to meet. But you and I are the church. If there was any confusion, I'm glad I could settle some of it. You can laugh. Put that in there. Wasn't that funny? And, you know, in thinking about this and really looking at this text, let me give you a little backstory. We've been a house of prayer. If some of you don't know what that was, we didn't start off as a church, okay? We started off as a house of prayer. Essentially, we were just people who loved to pray, okay? And we would meet uh, down there at 135 Western Avenue, where we still meet, and just hold prayer sets. We'd rally college students, pack out the place, and just pray to God for a move of God. And that's just a brief summary. It's far more uh, uh, deep than that, but that's just a headline. And so in that season, man, I was, I was really struggling in my heart because I really didn't see really the importance of the church. I understood that God loved his people and God was for his church, but I was looking at the church and its weakness and its, and its, uh, its uh Whatever you want to say, it, you know, I just—it's moral decay. I was like, "What is the point, God? You know, we just—we need to change this thing up, or we just need to close the door." You know, in Malachi, actually, the prophet Malachi encouraged—and we'll get into this a little bit—but the prophet of Malachi uh, encouraged the church of his day to just close the door because of the moral uh, decay and um, decline that they were in. And sometimes I felt like that, but you know, recently. Actually, it hasn't been recently. It's been for maybe the last two years before we started Hilltop. The Lord really pressed it upon my heart just the importance in his love for the church. And I found that I was really jaded. I found that my attitude towards the church, my participation in the church, was really, wasn't where it could have been or should have been by any means. And the Lord started convicting me. And, of course, out of that conviction, what did we do? We started a church. We wanted to start moving in the opposite direction of even some of our fleshly attitudes towards the church. We're saying, okay, God, you are identifying this within us that we are jaded because we don't really see the importance of the church. We see the moral dec- decay. And, but we want to do something about it. So the Lord started pressing upon our hearts. Say, hey, listen, why don't you start a church? 
And I'm thinking, are you serious? I mean, the last thing I think I ever wanted to be was a pastor. The last thing I ever wanted to do was meet with a group of people every Sunday. (laughs) I'm just being honest. I love it now. Why? Because God has done something in my heart. But before, in the preparation time, and as God was working in my heart, I really didn't see its importance. I really didn't see what the point was. And there was many things that lent to those feelings. There's many things that I observed. And honestly, they were just, they just came from a very jaded, um, hurt, and offended heart. Luckily, God did something in my heart. And through this passage of Scripture, I can see that Jesus doesn't commit himself so much to just a paraministry, because that's what we were doing. We were just a paraministry. We were like something that was, you know, kind of like people who just go out and feed the homeless. We were just like people who pray a lot and have prayer services. And I found out in my own heart in reading Scripture that Jesus really loves the church. Not only does he love it, but he really wants and is still building his church. And, and for me, when I read that, and I read other scriptures, I, I, I quickly come connected. I want to be part of what you are committed to, Christ. I want to be, be part of what you're building. <laughs> and it's out of that heart that my heart started changing towards the church. I mean, I'm, listen, just to let you in the backstory, our participation, our involvement was very little. But as God said, it was well before we started um, Hilltop that this started to change because prior to starting Hilltop, I was asked to come on staff to lead worship for another church. And it was in that season, I was like, I literally chose to do it because I was so jaded. I was so, um, not angry, but I was so like, oh, church. It, it seemed like a bad five-letter word to me. I was like, oh, please, God, save it. I don't want to be identified. I don't want to be. But God does something in my heart, and my heart immediately starts changing. And I used this opportunity as I was invited to be on staff and to lead worship for this church for two years to, to allow my heart to be transformed and changed. Why? Because God is committed to building his church. He's committed to seeing that the gates of hell do not prevail against it. You know, sadly, my attitude years ago is this attitude of many today. As you see and you look at church involvement, church participation, participation, excuse me, church involvement, church engagement, it's very low. It's very low. And you can see this cloud of despair and delusion over the people of God as they try to look for answers in their own souls and hoping that the church has something for them. Because the day-to-day is dark. The day, the Monday through uh, Saturday is a little unsure. You know, do you know what I'm saying? And we look to the church and, and, and we're hoping that maybe... Maybe the worship or maybe the pastor has something for us that can reach our souls, change the situation, kind of redirect us. And sometimes, let's just face it, we're awfully disappointed. (laughs) Because God said, even though, I mean, Jesus said, even though he's building the church, he didn't promise that every time that we come together, it's going to be glorious. Sometimes, I, I was in construction, I think, for 11 or 12 years. My dad and my mom are here, thank you. 
You can clap. They're awesome people. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But I was in construction for a long time, in, 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 uh, for about 11, I think, 10, 11 years. Worked for my dad, a couple of uh, the family members and stuff. And, you know, we get into a rehab situation. And, and, and sometimes you just look at it and say, really, we're going to rehab this piece of junk? We, you just need to tear this down. And sometimes we feel like that in our church, in the church atmosphere, when we're so looking for something, we just think like better. It's like, really, spirit? No, close it up, shut it. No. But man, you get in there, you start building, you start working, you start tearing out the old, putting in the new, man. I, I live in a little refab house, and I love it. It's not, it doesn't have all the new trinkets and gadgets, but I like the oldness and what we get to do in it. There's something beautiful when you can walk into something ugly and, and make it beautiful, isn't there? And that's what it's like. That's what God's doing. Even though it's ugly sometimes, even though it doesn't seem it has all the answers that we need and that we desire, God is still building it. And God is using it to build you and me. In God, I would go as far to say this, that just as Jesus is committed to the building of his church, he's calling for his people to also be committed to the building of his church. The ch- I won't go there. So I would, if we could, let's turn over to the book of Malachi quickly. And um, let me just read a couple of scriptures out of here, kind of summarize these four chapters uh, for us without getting too much in the text. And, you know, it's in my opinion, being in the church now for 14 years, that Malachi has probably been one of the most misinterpreted, um, you know, kind of misrepresentative four chapters in the Old Testament. I know that that's, that's, that can be argued. I get it, okay? But I've heard so many commentaries and so many message out of, messages out of these books, and I'm just like, wow, we are totally missing it. But I think that the Lord has something for us in the book of Malachi, and that's what I want us to give our attention to. And why do I say that? Because essentially, and I've been under this, and maybe you have been uh, exposed to this, I have uh, been exposed to the fact that leaders, pastors, shepherds use these chapters to mislead people. And it's, it's in this, is that they kind of make it appear as though Malachi the prophet is speaking to the people, when in essence, Malachi the prophet is speaking to the leadership. He's not necessarily, although he involves them later in the text, He is addressing the shepherds of Malachi's day. And it would would be foolish for me to assume that some of us haven't given ourselves to the study of this text and found, have you been under those? I mean, I've been involved with the church for 14 years, and I've seen pastor beyond pastor just tear apart the church and try to direct this message toward them, when in essence, it's God calling his leaders to account. And it's in that we find that the leaders ultimately were offering crippled, diseased sacrifices to the Lord. They were shortchanging, they were patting their own pockets, if you would, from the offering. They were taking from uh, the resources to fund the temple of God in that day to pad their own pockets. And this displeased the Lord. The, 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 
the major thing that was going on is that they had lost their honor for God. They no longer honored him, and it says right in the first verse, they no longer honored him as father and master. And God was calling them to account. He said, why? Why are you stealing from me? Why are you taking from me? Why, would you? And he says this, he says, are, would you offer, if the governor came to eat a meal with you, would you offer him these diseased, uh, crippled animals to eat? No, you wouldn't. I, being God, where is my honor? And Malachi is speaking right into the heart of the issue under the spirit of prophecy. He's speaking for the Lord. And it's important that we connect with this in this sense, is that, yes, Malachi, or the Lord in this instance, is addressing the the shepherds. He's addressing the priest. But he also puts in there the nation and the people. Let's read a verse here. In Malachi 2, chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 7, this is what he says. The words of the priest's lips should preserve, knowledge, should preserve knowledge of God, and the people should go to him for instruction. For the priest is the messenger of the Lord of the heavens of, of the Lord. Sorry, Old Testament always gets me a little tongue test, uh, twisted. The Lord's <laughs> Lord of the heavens armies. But you have... But you have left God's paths. Your instructions have caused many to stumble into sin. So essentially, what was happening is that what first started in the leaders, what first started in the priests, started to trickle out and affect the attitudes and the worship and the giving as it was affecting the priest. And how, I mean, we can attest to that. You know, essentially, if you study anything in church culture, church history, you find as the leadership goes, most likely the church will follow. Some may fall away. Some may not agree with the, with the path or the direction that the church is going. But for the most part, the pastors, the leaders, set the trend. And ultimately, this is what was happening in Malachi's day. They were setting a trend. And it started to carry over, not just in the attitudes and the way the priests would handle things, but how the people would. And essentially what you have is God being shortchanged. Where God was requiring the best, the people were giving him leftovers. How many of us can connect to that? Where it seems like sometimes God just at most, gets the leftovers. What's left over of our time? What's left over of our finances? In etc., etc., fill in the blank as you would. But friend, I believe just as in Malachi's, and just as it was in Malachi's day, that it is today. The Lord is looking for the best from His people. If He's giving us His best, Why shouldn't we give him our best? If his promise is to build the church, if his commitment is to building the church, then why aren't we responding correctly, if you would? Why aren't we invested as Jesus has invested? Come on, you can see it. I mean, I I won't even go there, but... The bottom line is this is the crutch of what I'm saying. This is the, the, the center of what I'm saying is 
I don't want to be a community. I don't even want to be part of a community. Later in these texts, in chapter 2, I'm sorry, in chapter 1, God said, listen, if you're going to continue in this behavior, shut the doors. Stop it. Just just don't carry on. Don't don't despise my name. Don't don't be half-hearted in your giving. Don't be half-hearted in your offerings. And friend, listen, Get your mind out of the finance box. Come Immediately, oh my God, he's talking about money. No, if that's what you're focused on, you are totally missing the point because the issue is not money, it's the heart. It's the heart. And what God wants to do is he wants to transform the heart because he knows if he can transform your heart, He has your money. He knows if he can transform your heart, he has your offerings. He has your attention. He has your commitment. It's not an issue of the do's and don'ts. It's the issue, the condition of the heart. And friend, if you doubt me at any point, you look. God looks only at the heart. God does not look at the checks that you're making out. The times you go to church. He does not care. He is looking at your heart. Why? Because that is the issue. That has always been the issue. You think about it. David gets sent away by his father. Here it is. The prophet walks in, wants to find the new king. Where is he? Where is he? David's father brings a bunch of of his boys and says, here, pick. And the prophet's like, no, 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 no. No, he's not here. He's not here. And why? Because the Lord spoke to him. He said, listen, don't look at the outward appearance. And look, I look at the heart. I look at the heart. And friend, what the church has today is a heart condition, not a do and don't condition. Not what we do, what we don't see. Some of you get all like, oh, you you can see it in your face, the despair. Because it almost can be condemning in a sense. A man standing up and saying these words, but really what it is is conviction. Why? Because God wants your heart. He wants your heart. And so, here in Malachi, we see that God did not. Somewhere in Israel's history, they had lost connection to what was important. They began to offer God things that were weird. And just not supposed to be. God wants your best. And if he's committed, friend, to building the church, man, I want to sign up. I want to build it with him. I want to be built by him. Two of you agree. Let's look at a New Testament verse in Luke chapter 6 where we can get some perspective. And if you study the book of Malachi, this is one of the... um, one of the verses that, are, um, that help us give understanding to the book of Malachi in terms of what was going on. In chapter 6, this is what Jesus said. He says this in verse 46. So why do you keep on calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? There goes Daryl again, pulling out, you don't do what I say. The issue is obedience, friend. The issue here in the book of Malachi and what Jesus is connecting us to in a New Testament type reality is that 
Why are you continuing to call me Lord, Lord, when you don't listen to me and you don't obey me? That's weird, dude. I mean, if my son continually um, def uh, defied me and didn't listen, which we're on the verge, we're trying to work with it, we're, we haven't really seen the fruit of salvation, but we're praying that God breaks in and arrests his heart. But, but if he continually def defied me, I would say, son, you call me father? Do what I say. And that's essentially what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, listen, why are you calling me Lord? When you don't obey me. I wrote this, this little thing. I thought it was good. You can do with it what you would. The problem is his obedience and our unwillingness to obey him. The solution is as simple as this. To listen and obey. Not just listen, but obey. If I, could, if I could just summarize, really, the, and I use this word loosely because I don't want to trouble your hearts, but if I could summarize the problem in the church today is not sin, although that's a problem. It's not ungodliness or unrighteousness, although that's a problem, and, and I, 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 I think that God, if that's the case, has a problem with it. But I think the core of what the church is wrestling is over the issue of obedience. Will I do as he says? Will I follow as he leads? Will I not just observe his word without it affecting my day-to-day -day life and choices? Or will I give my heart to not only studying, not only reading, but doing? Doing. Like actually obeying and with fear, work out our salvation. Let's read further in Luke 47. Jesus gives us an example. He says, I will show you what it's like when somebody comes to me, listens to my teaching, and follows it. It's not just enough to Jesus that you listen to him. See, Jesus had people, many people, who listened. All the time, thousands. The guy was a Hebrew rock star. He traveled and he moved and people wanted to be where he was. They wanted to hear the words he was saying. They wanted, where's Jesus? Where did, let's get over to the other side of the river. Let's be with him. Who, who wouldn't, right? If you read the accounts of Christ, I'd be right there. I'm his biggest fan. But Jesus is saying here, he's saying, I will show you what it's like when somebody comes to me listens to my teaching, and then follows it. 48, it's like a person who builds a house, who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise to break against that house, it will stand firm. Why? Because it was built right. It was built right. How do we build right? By digging deep. Deep into what? Deep into Christ. Deep into His Word. Deep into devotion. Deep into worship. We, we, we dig deep into Him. So that when the waters of adversity come crashing against our house, we're not 
washed away by the first broken nail or gray hair. If you're anything like me, look at the mirror. Ah! What is that? It's gray hair. Oh my God. And my life seems to stop. My attitude seems to get bad. And my wife says, Satan, get behind me. No. But do you understand what I'm saying? We are so easily shifted and we are so easy to be ruined at the first sign of those troubling waters. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? I mean, I got a list of five or six that I experienced just today. Maybe you're not like me. I, I don't know, but I got some adversity. I got some water. I, how do I make it? How do I get through? I get through by making sure my life is built in Christ. That it's not just surface. It's not just upon a sand, the sand, but it's upon Him, the rock. And it's not just on the surface, but it's deep into Him. It's deep into Him. How do you go deep into Him? Simply get into this. But see, it's not just that too, according to Christ. It's this. It's listening and obeying. You know, I can tell a Christian who actually has a deep walk with God just the way they simply obey. How they treat their friends, how they treat their wives, how they talk to others. I can, I can tell. I'm like, oh, that's a person who, 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 who doesn't necessarily have the deep uh, altogether, but they got some deep roots. They got some deep, strong foundations. Christ. How many want that? Come on, some of you look like I just killed your dog. Okay, listen, I love this. Listen, you know, here, this pastor, Judah Smith, I love the guy. He gives this, uh, he's, he gave this message, and it, it, I'm switching it up a little bit, not stealing it from him, but he talked about uh, his kids and when it's time to go to bed. And he's like, you know, you swear to God when you tell your kids it's time to go to bed, if it's anything like my house, that I, I just told them I'm going to take them out back and kill them. Because it's like, ah, no, not bad, oh, dad. Guys, sometimes we just got to tune our ears to a different frequency. I'm not saying I want to take you out back and kill you. I'm just saying we need some perspective to change. And what helps that? What helps that? What helps that perspective change? Well, friend, I've, I'll tell you one of the major ways I've been helped is being obedient. Not just listening to the words of Christ, but actually doing. Do you have a, do you have a hard time? Don't raise your hand. That's just wrong. But how many can connect to that where, where you just feel like, and, and instead of just being inspired to actually do what Christ has said for us to do. You feel condemned. You feel like, oh, I'm just a failure. I could never get it right. Friend, you can. Jesus wouldn't say it if we couldn't do it. We set the bar so low. And, and God, it's not that he set the bar so high, but he's given us the means to achieve it. In Christ, we see a man who was perfectly obedient to the will of God, to the fact where he would turn down food because he said, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God. How many, what would happen if us as Christians started letting that be our language? 
I'm not saying go without food. I mean, do what you will. But, you know, when it comes to obedience, I don't just get satisfaction in doing A, B, and C. I, I get my nourishment. I get my pleasure out of doing the will of God. Christ will build his church. Christ will build his church. And he will see to it that the gates of hell will not prevail. My question to us today is, where do you fit? Where do I fit? How are you fitting? I don't know if this is like an epidemic in other states. But we have this huge revolving door. And I'm just going to call it out. There's like these... These people who I find, they go from church to church to church. It's like church has become a buffet table. It's like, uh, you know, this place has got peanuts. This place got some killer OJ. Uh, but the sandwiches are whacked. So, uh, but this place has some awesome whatever. And, and church has become nothing more, I think, maybe because it's a college city. Then a big buffet table of which we just like to go to to experience this of this church, that of that church. I mean, in all honesty, friend, this church should be about three to four hundred strong right now. But we have this epidemic in our city of just people who like to, yeah, I like this about this church. Or this is a good one. I mean, I like that worship. But man, their words are whacked. I need to, I like their words. I like this word. I like this preaching. Hmm. Yes, but their worship is dead. I mean, they're still singing hymns. Glory to God. My question to us today, in all honesty and all kidding aside, is how is God going to build Hilltop Church if we constantly have people who are treating church like a buffet table? Listen. Church is more than a buffet table, friend. It's a family. It's a community. And the one way that we get built as people is to be part of the family, not the buffet table. What happens when you go to a lot of, and just get a lot of food at the buffet table? You get fat. I know. A lot of my problem is just because of that. I love buffets. But you hear what I'm saying, friend? Listen, God wants to take you in. And listen, I'm not saying Hilltop has to be the place. My, my heart is not just a bunch of people just be committed to Hilltop. My heart is that you would be committed somewhere. It's my heart. If it's Hilltop, glory be to God. If it's another church, awesome. It's great. Because my Overall concern is that you are being um, cheated out of what God has for you in community and family and church as he builds his church. Come on. I mean, I'm sorry. Is this a little too hard? Friend, you better. I'm, I'm ready because I'm tired of the way us New Englanders are, are, are approached to God. It's kind of has the resemblance of the book of Malachi. It kind of just has the resemblance of like, God, here's the leftovers. Hope you're happy. Hope this is good enough. Am 
Am I being too hard? Am I doing it? Listen, I have nothing but love for you. And my heart is that your life would get rooted in a family. My heart is that you would get grounded in a community. That together we can grow and experience the presence of God. And um, why? Because I, I think unity is a great way of how the Lord moves in the sense of building. I can't necessarily build you, friend, if I see you once a month. I can't build you up. You know, some of you, I forget your names. It's like, oh, I know you were here like three weeks ago, but God help me. What is your name? And I, of course, I'm not saying that, but so I'm thinking in my mind. I'm like, hey, sister. Oh, so glory. Oh, and it's embarrassing. But I can't get to know you. And it's more than not just getting to know you. It's that I want to build you up in the things of God. I want you to build me up in the things of God. I want to be built together as the house and the family of God. And friend, if I barely know your name, most likely... We're in trouble when it comes to building. <laughs> God building us up. You get what I'm saying? I mean, is this too practical? Is this too honest? Should I be more church and just like, you know, glory to God? <laughs> I mean, what are we the thing? I, I believe it wholeheartedly. I believe God wants to break in with this New England attitude where church is just a, it's just a means of convenience. If, if, it, if it happens, I will. And listen, I, listen. Oh, this is not for everybody. Listen, some of you, I'm tight. We're built, being built together. Others of you, I want to be built with you. I, I want to be in tight. But I'm not quite sure if we're there yet. And for me, being a smart man, some of you doubt that. I understand. Um, but <laughs> I crack myself up. I don't even know I was going. I laughed so hard inside my heart. I want to go together, friend. Someday we're going to have to come to this honesty so that we can go together. And that for others, maybe this ain't the place for you. Maybe it ain't. That's okay. This isn't a matter of what is and what's not. It's a matter of, again, us as individuals getting plugged in to what God is building in the earth. From Matthew chapter 16 to now. Amen. Bow your heads. Father, we thank you for your commitment to building your church, Lord. And God, we want to be part of this process, Lord. We want to be built. We want to be constructed, Lord. We just say that there's no better craftsman. There's no better architect than you, Jesus. Lord, when it comes to building us, to constructing us, and putting us together as individuals. Lord, I ask God that here at Hilltop and other churches, Lord, that come to mind, Father, that you would not just build organizations, Lord, Lord, but that you would build families and communities, people who are involved, people who are connected with each other, God, I ask, Lord, that Hilltop Church would be more, me included, would be a more, 
than just offer you, God, the leftovers, but that we would give you the very best of what we have. Not just with our finances, but God, in our worship, in our integrity, in the word of preaching the gospel. Jesus, I ask that you would make us a people who build upon the solid rock, Christ, together. Make us a church, Jesus. We pray. I want to do this, something that I know has to happen. You can keep your eyes closed because I'm going to totally shift gears here. Listen, if there's somebody in this place who you are not saved, you are not walking with the Lord, I want to just, I, I feel as though we're to do this every Sunday. We're to open uh, up the opportunity to receive Christ, the greatest gift. Just going to do something quick with every eye bowed. If that's you, if you feel, I know it's weird. I didn't give a salvation message, but it's important that salvation is offered. If you're in this place and you're without Christ, if you would, raise your hand. Maybe all of us are following the Lord. That's awesome. But you know what? I would feel like I discredited God by not offering his son. I'm going to give a couple more minutes Anyone who needs to accept the Lord as his personal or her personal Savior. We're not doing this because of guilt. We're just offering Jesus. All right. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for this word. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this church. God, we ask for the increase Lord, of the things that you're doing to increase in this place. Lord, as we grow, Lord, as we um, even come together more as a family. Jesus, I thank you for this people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Everybody all right? Everybody all right? Okay, simple, right? Simple? Okay, great. Um, so hopefully everybody got a chance to sign up for uh, the cookout. Again, I just wanted to... Reiterate, we will not be here <laughs> next Sunday at 4. I will feel terrible. And I know there will be a bunch of people who will show up here at 4, and I'm going to feel awful, but, you know, we've done what we could. Um, so do not come here. Um, there's information of where we're going to be meeting for the cookout at the welcoming table. There are little flyers. encourage you to check one out. You can go to our website. Listen, if you didn't sign up today and you're still second guess, it's really easy. You can go right to our website. Hit the cookout banner. It's like two seconds. You can fill out how many people you're bringing, your name and everything, and so on and so forth. Just do it so that we can be best prepared. And then also, um, we want to give, uh, I think we're going to go to a, probably about August, the second week of August, for fundraising for this video. Again, we're we're almost to our point. We're excited about that. It's awesome. And, um, and so we're going to give our church an opportunity to sow in the uh, video that we'll be showing as of August 1st in the cinemas. And so if you um, feel so inclined to give to that, you can drop your money in this basket. Amen? Other than that, be blessed. We love you guys. Have a great night. Books here, guys. Um, it's the guy who offered them, uh, he doesn't want me to give him his name, so I'm not going to. But there's awesome resources here. If you want one, come grab one. We've got some A.W. Tozer. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Um, and then some Anna, yeah, whatever that girl is, but she's awesome. And uh, you can just grab the books, and uh, we love you. It's awesome.
thousand gifts. Thousand gifts.
Okay.